Everyone, welcome to episode four of season three, The Fastest 40, presented by CS Designs and in partnership with Stadium Rant. Unfortunately, Trey is not going to be on this week's episode, but I am joined with a special guest that I'll introduce later on in the show. We're going to be talking about some betting, fantasy football, week one recaps, everything just to get you geared up for week two and excited for uh, for some football coming up this weekend. So uh, without further ado, let's get hyped. 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, our presenting sponsor for the show, CS Designs. That stands for Corey Sanders. He's always taking care of us here at the Fastest 40. Uh, we put out some posts today, all of our images, logos, anything that you see graphics-wise from the show, that's all courtesy of Corey Sanders, www.coreysandersdesigns.com. You can also visit it on Instagram, at CS Designs Official. And Twitter as well. Um, but you can see all of the work that he's been able to put together for other companies, videography, photography, web design, graphic design, and so much more. Corey really is a Swiss army knife when it comes to marketing your business and making sure that you're hitting that target market. So again, check him out, www.coreysandersdesigns.com. All right, everybody, let's jump into those pregame stretches. Before we get too far into it, I do want to introduce the guest host officially, Tyler Lamb, Director of Personnel over at Stadium Rant. You can follow him on Twitter, at Lamb4752. He also runs the Gillette Gazette account for Stadium Rant, at Gillette Gazette, where they're pumping out not just Patriots news and all the great content that they're putting out for the folks up in uh, New England and that fan base, but... He's really just given all of the NFL. I've seen a ton of fantasy football and different breaking news. So if you're looking for an outlet, you know, whether you're a Patriots fan or not, that's a good one to check out on Twitter. Tyler, thank you so much for joining me. We all know Trey couldn't be on the show this week. He will be back next week. But uh, who better to ask to fill in than my guy Tyler here? Thanks for having me, man. Really excited to be here. Uh, go over crazy week one get right into the swing of things for week two and try and help you win a little money and maybe your fantasy matchup too. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> well, Hey, I, I do appreciate it before we uh, go, jump into the week one recap. Let's look at these injuries. There were quite a few. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight a couple and, and then just kind of get your thoughts on them. Tyler Dak Prescott, thumb injury. He's going to be out a couple of weeks. They kept him off of the IR. Jerry Jones seems to think he'll be back in less than four. I'm not as optimistic. Um, and then TJ Watt, torn pectoral. You could even see it. I mean, this was like a moment on the field. He made that huge play against Joe Burrow and is coming off the field holding his chest. And you see him mouth, I tore my pack. Yeah, it's like, it's torn. It's torn. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep, yep, that's beat. It's torn. 
and you like, just saw like just dead fish. Yeah, he's holding his <laughs> arm like so tough. See, he was making a he was starting his de- uh, defensive player of the year campaign. I'll tell you that he was almost unstoppable in that game. It was scary. He was so. making those plus seven hundred odds look really, really good, but unfortunately, you know, tore the peck. Fortunately enough for him, though, the tendon remained intact, so he is able to avoid surgery and should return within six to eight weeks is kind of what they're projecting. A huge piece for that Steelers defense. Not bad. I thought that was going to be a season-ending injury, so that's actually pretty fantastic for them. Absolutely. About Dak, though, real quick, I Russ kind of had a similar injury last year, and when he came back from it, he, he rushed back from it, he didn't look great. He couldn't push the ball down the field. He couldn't do a lot of things that he used to be able to do pre-injury. And I, I, I'm, I'm afraid right now of this Jerry Jones news because I think he's kind of doing the same thing with Dak. I originally had heard six to eight weeks. Just doesn't make sense there, but we'll see what happens, right? Right. No, I, I'm, I'm totally with you. I mean, it's it comes down to the health and the safety of the players first and foremost, right? If they're not able to um, perform well, <laughs> you know, why rush them out in the first place if it's going to, you know, not only hinder the success of the team, but, you know, potentially carry some long-term effects on on the player themselves. So, you know, Dak Prescott getting rushed in, definitely not where I would have expected Jerry Jones to take it. But, you know, the Joneses never disappoint when it comes to questionable decisions. <laughs> not wrong. Definitely not wrong there. Some other guys to look at. Keenan Allen, hamstring issue, won't play this Thursday, likely to be back for their week three matchup. Jamal Adams suffered a serious quad injury in the Monday night football game, is likely to miss some considerable time. Elijah Mitchell was placed on IR with a knee injury, and Chris Godwin aggravated that hamstring um, in the Sunday night football game as well. Chris Godwin is someone I was hoping wasn't going to play week one. Uh, another scenario where a guy maybe got rushed in a little bit too soon. Maybe he's overcompensating, doesn't want to handle um, some of that contact just quite yet. You know, that's the big thing with guys who tear their ACL. Uh, it's always about how they're going to handle that contact or how they're going to handle their cuts and run their routes because of how, you know, timid you can get on that injury, especially when you're rehabbing it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um it was really weird to see him not be placed on the pup, to be honest, with how late the injury happened. He was really ahead of schedule the whole time, and then he saw some game action, and as soon as that happened, you know, he it just it, he sort of tweaked it. So that's tough, but that shouldn't be a long-term injury as long as they give him the rest that he needs. I'd imagine it's like two weeks, maybe three, being off of it. He should be able to come back and really get to, into his season. Um, I heard today Jamal Adams, it's likely he's going to be out for the season. It's likely mm. to be a squad. Um, tough break to to a hyped-up Seattle team that, you know, just kind of embarrassed Russell Wilson and friends. Right. So making me look kind of foolish on, on some things that I've said in this offseason. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, I've firmly planted my flag in the Denver not being what everyone what the majority was expecting them to be um and honestly that injury that Russell Wilson rushed back from in Seattle we saw all that poor play from him that was the basis for a lot of my claim is like you know quarterbacks they start to 
regress and he's in a new situation on top of it. So it's just one of those things where, you know, combination of the elements. Yeah. Very. It's just interesting. I mean, I was just, I, I just didn't love the offense that they're running, you know, over there. So I, hopefully it gets better. It was Hackett's first game as a head coach. Hopefully he kind of understands and learned a, a few things about clock management, you know, the way like, it just seemed when I was watching, it seemed like Russ was doing everything he can to like dump the ball off. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They weren't they weren't trying to push the ball as much. Yeah. Strange. Well <laughs> I, I, I hope they perform a little better than that. You know what I mean? Right. Well, the good news for Hackett is it's only week one. He's got time to figure it out for sure. And we can talk more about that Monday night stinker here in a little bit. But uh just to round out the injuries, T. Higgins suffered a concussion against the Steelers. May miss some time, probably just a week if he does at all. Najee Harris's MRI came back negative on his foot. No list frank complications on that end, so that's good news. Kittle still dealing with that groin, hamstring, leg injury. Uh, the poor guy just can't keep it together. Mac Jones found out it's just back spasms. Is that right? Uh, just back spasms happen randomly. Um, this 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 was forced, I would say, on the high-low hit that that happened um i i think that they were a bit worried at first but i I think he'll be all right you know i think he just kind of bruised it maybe hit the ground a little hard and right just kind of you know going through his normal routine now there was a scare uh regardless and that happened pretty late in the game would like to see a little better from that but we'll we'll from them but we can talk about (laughs) a little bit absolutely and then donovan smith Left tackle for the Buccaneers injured his elbow. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of managing the pain there. And then we got a couple of guys that are out for the season officially. Kyle Fuller, cornerback for the Ravens, formerly of the Bears, tore his ACL. And then Jawan James suffered a torn Achilles. You got to feel for the guy, uh, you know, out there in, in Baltimore. They they dealt with their fair share of injuries the last year. And um, unfortunately, they're piling on again. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I don't, I don't. They they should just buy a new field or something like <laughs> maybe like build a new stadium like slightly to the right of the old stadium just to get off of the land that they're on. Maybe it's like messed up or something because they get <laughs> entirely too often. Um, don't know what's going on there, but yeah, it's just a little uh, too soft, or maybe it's a you know there's some voodoo magic yeah, going on on that land and old burial ground or something they need to figure something <laughs> out over there they need, to, they need to pick it up and move it from there to over here or something <laughs> like that i couldn't tell you but that that sucks i mean both of them would were you know, starters on their offense so that's that you, you know they're gonna have to reshuffle some things but there's few people that are good at it or as good at it as john harbaugh so we saw what he was able to do with that patchwork roster last year. So, you know, I, I trust the Ravens. They'll be getting back Ronnie Staley, J.K. Dobbins, and Marcus Peters here soon. Um, so there's some big names to get back into the fold. But that's kind of the injury update for week one. Let's go into a recap. So uh, I got a question for you. Thursday night football, Bills, Rams. I was so excited. I know everyone around around the country was just buzzing up about getting the NFL back. It seemed like it's just been so long and this off season has been so crazy. Everything yeah. got so hyped up. Um, so my question for you, based on the game, we know the results, the, the bills 
destroyed the Rams after keeping it close in the first half. Are the Bills just that good, or are the Rams just that bad? It's it's kind of, it's kind of the Bills are that good. The Rams definitely looked like they they regressed, but you, you can have some regression. You're still this, the the Super Bowl champion. You know what I mean? Like right. But that's still a solid team. Got a lot of star power. Um, not a ton of depth, but they just look outclassed, outgunned, and outmatched. So that that's more of a testament to, to Buffalo's game and the way they came out in the second half. Stinks, but Josh Allen's Josh Allen is a stallion. I was trying to say that. <laughs> kind of Josh Allen, that kind of works yeah, too, Josh though. Allian. Josh Allen, the stallion. Yeah, ride into battle. That dude <laughs> kind of really good at football, and it's pretty stinky. So. Yeah, yeah, having that in the AFC East for the next couple of years has got to be tough. <laughs> Sad. I, I, it's okay. I We dished it out. We can take it, too. One of my key highlights from this game is just how resilient Josh Allen was, speaking of the guy, you know, turning the ball over. I think he threw <clears throat> two interceptions in that game uh, and a couple other turnovers from the team as well, some fumbles. Went into halftime. Score was tied, and they just kept. They just came right back out in the second half and played their brand of football. Didn't stray away from the game plan. They knew that those mistakes weren't going to continue to happen, and played what what a game that we expected from the Bills, right? You know, yeah. If the Rams were even halfway decent in that game, it would have been pretty exciting. But instead, they did what a good team's supposed to do to a middle ground team, and they dominated. Oh yeah, they they definitely dominated. Um, bad it was bad news all all over the place. Aaron Donald didn't really make all that much of an impact outside of one sack or maybe a, another quarterback hit. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey was getting flamed all over the place. Um, <laughs> Matt Stafford looked like he had some serious trust issues with the rest of his wide receivers, other than Cooper Cup. The only person who came ready to play in that game was Cooper Cup. So. Like, oh yeah like, for the rams guy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, of course i mean but everybody on buffalo besides dawson knox of course in my my big money fantasy league but that's okay yeah i put dawson knox in one of my lineups luckily i squeaked out the win but uh one catch for five yards we're gonna have to do better than that buddy it'll you just come. got paid <laughs> it will cycle it will cycle there's plenty of josh allen to go around <laughs> damn right and then <laughs> Big takeaway from the game is about Jalen Ramsey. Perfect passer rating allowed. He's got a lot to prove moving forward. Um, The Rams, they get to uh, square off against a little bit of a lesser opponent this week. And, you know, I think there's some potential for him to sort of fix his name they're, they've got the falcons in at home so you know maybe there's there's a chance he can he can show people that he's still got what it takes going up against a rookie receiver but if, if a guy like drake london torches him in this next game he's gonna have a very rough 2022 season especially i mean, I mean if i was him i would turn off twitter notifications <laughs> if he doesn't have them turned off already he could have some problems with london though i mean he london's quite He's quite larger than him. Like he has a much bigger catch radius. That, like he could, he could do a couple of things. Like he's not really the typical person I'd want Jalen Ramsey to be covering, if that makes any sense. And if they try and move him on Kyle Pitts, that's going to be even worse for him, I think. So we'll see. We'll see. Tough matchup. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So taking it over to Detroit, the Hard Knock Stars, um, Lions end up losing that one in a close-fought battle, 38-35 Eagles. Now, are the Lions going to be a problem, or is it that the Philadelphia defense is not as good as we thought it was going to be? I think I think the Lions have a, a sneak. I've been saying this for all offseason. They have a sneaky good offense. Um, I like Amon Ross St. Brown a lot. Um, the dude is like Golden Tate, but he might be a little bit more dynamic right now, and that's that's a good player to have in your slot. If TJ Hawkinson, who's a first round tight end, who's kind of hitting into his his what's it, his fourth year, I think um, that's yeah. right around the, t- the year tight ends kind of figure it out and um, start to kind of really go off. Uh, DeAndre Swift looks like an absolute great running back, really. Yeah, uh, like <laughs> no other way to put it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, he's just he's so fast. He hits holes really hard and. For being five nine, he's got he's got power. He he was mad about that uh that's that low Madden rating for for his strength. <laughs> he had to, to do something about that. Um, and and Jared Goff when he has weapons and time, he he can he can definitely distribute the ball. Um, he he went to a Super Bowl with McVeigh. I know that they had a rough <laughs> year after that. He's had some rough years before that. He's not the best quarterback, but he can definitely support an offense. Um, and yeah, I mean, on Philly's defensive side, I think that they're kind of working out the kinks. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. But I, I think the uh, Detroit's offense is sneaky. good. Now a couple takeaways for the Eagles. Uh, I think they're going to win the division, especially now that we have Dak Prescott with that injured hand, but also AJ Brown deserved the contract he received just based off of that one performance alone, 11 catches over 150 yards, the clear favorite for Jalen Hurts in the passing game. He's going to be phenomenal this year, and I'm I'm excited for him. I think Tennessee made a mistake trading him away. Yeah, I actually um, made a bet with one of my buddies who said that Michael Gallup was just as good as A.J. Brown. And I, I, I did not I did not agree with him on this at all. And I made a bet and I said that he was going to get um, a thousand yards this year. That was for 50 bucks. And then another one that he was going to play 15 games. That was also. OK, so two there um, on a good, good start for the yards. Uh, 15 percent of the way done. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're already going. And I also have him on that dynasty team that's two-peated in the league with that friend so it's cool we can we just just got another win keep rolling aj brown <laughs> definitely deserved that contract dude's a baller hell yeah no he's gonna he's gonna terrorize some dudes this year for sure <clears throat> now out in chicago total slop fest this week uh bears niners Bears end up getting the dub 19 to 10, an ugly ass game. Not that you could really do much with the weather, um, but was it the weather or are these two young QBs, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, just not that good? I, th- I think Justin Fields is better than Trey Lance a little bit better at this current, at this current moment. I mean, he's doing a lot more. He did a lot more with a lot less in the same conditions. Um, yep. realistically he's throwing to Dante Pettis who got cut by the 49ers um, <laughs> St. Brown who just got an Aaron Rodgers bad side um, Darnell Mooney didn't have a great game Cole Komet wasn't targeted David Montgomery didn't really play all that well it was Justin Fields and Justin Fields carrying that <laughs> offense and 
they were they didn't perform fantastic, but he hit his he he hit his shots like he he hit his throws and Trey Lance didn't really. For fantasy, they're both going to be good. Don't don't worry about Trey Lance's kind of dud there. Um, that you can attribute to the weather. He carried the ball thirteen times. I mean, if you have a quarterback and he's running that much for fantasy purposes, that's good. That's so. great. <laughs> I think one of my big takeaways from this game was that Debo Samuel still running him in the backfield. Nothing changed about his role. Uh, that was a big a big highlight for me. And then I'm sticking with. My take preseason was that the Niners wouldn't be missing the playoffs this year. Not a fan of them rolling with Trey Lance, not having liked what I've seen from him so far when he has been the starter. Jimmy Garoppolo, probably a better option at quarterback. Uh, He's still on the team. It's not too late, but Shanahan seems kind of dug in on his stance with rolling with Trey Lance. So, you know, that's my big takeaway is I don't think they're going to win that division. They're certainly not making the playoffs. Yeah. So the thing with the Niners is they're good for like two, three years. Then they just kind of just go and not be good for like three, four years. And then they're, oh, they're good. There comes (laughs) the Niners again when nobody expects them. But when everybody expects them, couple of things go wrong for them and then like all of a sudden they're picking in the top 10 and they, right. don't have that. they don't have that pick so like that sucks you know it's uh, like that movie jeepers creepers like dude comes around every five years and then they van it he vanishes for five years and yeah, then comes yeah. back to terrorize the league <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh we're back we're back yeah you <laughs> again Hey, welcome. Welcome. Good to see you here again. Exactly. (laughs) Um, As far as fantasy goes for them, though, the Niners should still be a good fantasy team. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs this year. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Kyle Shanahan, nor Cliff Kingsbury, nor nor many of those. I like the McVay tree. I don't like the Shanahan tree, if that makes sense. They're like the rat pack of the coaching world right now. It's all these young offensive minded guys that are hitting the league at the same time they've already attributed at least some level of success but you know it's a matter of how long they can sustain it um Shanahan is one of those guys that has been proven to choke in big situations um you know (laughs) including the biggest choke job in the history of the NFL as far as the Super Bowl goes way to go Tommy B (laughs) but yeah (laughs) They just, uh, you know, that's going to be a a coaching group that, you know, they're going to be around a long time, but it's just a matter of who's going to be able to hang around the longest. And, um, you know, of that group, McVay is absolutely the the most successful. So Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Watching this game and seeing Joe Burrow get sacked time and time again after they made such a big investment on that offensive line, just kind of like it tickled me a little bit, just a little bit, because I got to hear from Bengals fans all summer long about that loss in Arrowhead. And it was like, okay, there may be an offensive line away. They need to do something about that this offseason. They did it. It did not work out the way that they wanted it to. And that was something that the Chiefs, so it's all about who you have in the front office too. And I don't think the Bengals have it. Um, Will that offensive line gel or did they, 
mess up their rebuild and are they going to have to add some more pieces this off season or is it just week one too early to tell? Um, I think it was a combination of having to gel. It's a new, new offensive line, a lot of new pieces. That's, that's, that's a unit that really has to spend a lot of playing time together to kind of really work as like, as a unit together. And that's really important being on the same page on the same like step all timing and rhythm with um, all your calls, communications for offensive Mm -hmm. line. And it can't be understated that they're playing TJ Watt. And a lot of those sacks came from TJ Watt before he got hurt. And I think that the Steelers have a really strong pass rush, pass rush as well. So I think, I think the Bengals O-line will figure it out enough for them to be successful. Cause even with all the, all the, beating that burrow took in that game they still almost won it i mean yeah so they almost won it um still if they don't do it he's gonna end up like andrew luck and retire at like after like <laughs> six seven years and just be like yeah i'm i'm literally done with getting sacked 90 times in the season not cool guys right <laughs> and that's a great point too um, you know, despite the turnovers, they still were able to get the double or, you know, they were still in it until the very end. They didn't get the W, obviously, but they were still in it until the very end. And Joe Burrow is not going to turn the ball over five times every single week. Right. That's not that's not going to be what's happening here. And my biggest takeaway with that was that, you know, I think they do need some time to gel as well. I think that's going to happen for the Bengals offensive line. They have too much talent on there for it not to happen. But the Steelers defense is just that good. They were just that good on Sunday, and I think they're going to be just that good this whole season. Um, even without TJ Watt being on the field, they still have Minka Fitzpatrick, Alex Highsmith, Devin Bush, Cam Hayward, just, you know, ton of talent on that side of the ball. And, um, you know, the Bengals, they certainly have a lot to figure out on the other side, though, for sure. Yeah, definitely agree. Now we're bringing it to Miami where we got to see your boys take on the Dolphins. Is it that the Miami offense won the game or is it that the Miami defense won that game for them? I, 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 I think the Patriots team, team in general just handed it to them. Just, just walked up and <laughs> gave it right to them. Um, tough bounce off the beginning of the, in the beginning of the game there. Um, Mac kind of underthrew that ball to Adams, didn't really give him the best chance to go up and 50 50 it. Mm-hmm. Um, then it gets picked. They go down the field, get points. Then you get sack, strip sack, fumble, end zone. Team's kind of deflated at that point. Play calling was kind of a mess. Um, penalties, calling a timeout, and going and telling the dude not to go off sides on the fourth <laughs> and one. And then he goes off sides on the fourth and one. It's just, very uncharacteristic stuff in New England. And that's what I think ultimately lost the game. I don't think Tua was anything special. No. Um, no. Tyreek Hill, Tyree Hill was definitely wide open almost every play. Uh, that that was kind of shitty to watch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah in, in plain terms, that just was like, ah, oh, come on, dude. Right. Um, and they missed that tackle on Waddle to close out the half. And that was pretty much the game. And Right. You know, you're not going to win many football games if your offense is going to be that ineffective. So I think Certainly. they have I think they have the pieces, but Miami definitely showed that they came ready to play. They played they did pretty much like what they had to do and got out of there with the win. So 
Yeah. No, it it was just what you said. I think, uh, you know, it was more about the Patriots, you know, for lack of a better term, just being kind of undisciplined in certain respects. And um, that interception in the red zone early in the game, that was a that was a backbreaker kind of play too. Um, you know, got to score when you're inside the red zone, let alone inside the 10. <laughs> so th- that's just one of those situations that's hard to come back from um, in general. I will say this about Tua. He has weapons. They have a solid defense and he has zero excuses not to succeed in Miami, um, including having what I think is the best tandem of receivers that you could ask for in an offense. I mean, both those guys are total burners. We saw what Waddle could do uh, when you miss a tackle, he busts the play open. And then we saw what Tyreek Hill can do constantly open. He's his route running was perfected in Kansas city. And he's bringing all of those skills that he was sharpening um, under Andy Reed to Miami. And, you know, Mike McDaniel, while he isn't an experienced head coach, he has a great offensive background. I think he's going to bring a lot out of him. So, you know, we'll see how we'll see how the Pats bounce back this week uh, coming up. But moving into Carolina, the Baker Mayfield revenge game that never happened. Uh, can we expect Hunt and Chubb to run this offense all year? Or do you think that's going to stop when Deshaun Watson's suspension is up? Um, I, I don't think so. Cause I, I think when they, when they bring Watson back, kind of depending on what sort of situation they're in, I think the way Kevin Stefanski will want to run it is the same way, kind of run the, run the offense to the backs, the, the play action game, running the football effectively. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't. They're, they're both playmakers. Um, Amari Cooper's probably your best wide receiver and, he he has spurts of being a top five receiver and, and spurts of being like a oh, good wide receiver. If that right. Means, you know? <laughs> Middle because, of the pack kind of guy. Yeah. Like somebody who's good, but like, you know, not that, that good, but like, then he goes into spurts where he's just like going crazy. All world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's how, that's kind of how I feel about that. Absolutely. Uh, moving into the Colts in Houston. Another stinker of a game. A lot of the games this week really were just slow and kind of dragged on and then like excitement at the very end of the game, right? You didn't know what was going to happen, if someone was going to kick that winning field goal or whatever. Do you think with this tie against Houston that Frank Reich finds himself on the hot seat after missing the playoffs last year? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he he should. He missed the playoffs last year and lost the Jaguars. Um, he didn't he lose to the Jaguars week one as well uh, last year? I believe so. <laughs> yeah. So if you're getting swept, no, it wasn't Jacksonville. The, he played terrible, or, or Wentz played terrible. They they kind of messed up. They, the they did lose they, to the Steelers in a game that was that should have been theirs for sure too. Okay. Okay. It, it was one of those losses. It's the way that they start out super super cold. And like, oh, it's midseason. Like, let's ramp it up. And then they miss out of the playoffs by one game. Right. So, yeah, you kind of have to be at this point. You have everything you need on that team to kind of succeed. So, absolutely. And then um, New Orleans, Atlanta, another game that for a second I was worried about the Saints. You think they can perform against actual contenders, or is this a situation where they're going to be in trouble all year? Um, no, I think the Saints will be good. I think they kind of knocked the the cobwebs off um, in the, in the second half there, they kind of turned it up. 
Um, I wish they used Alvin Kamara more, but they didn't. <laughs> From um, a fantasy perspective, I'm with you right there. Shit. Yeah, just come on. Um, but Michael Thomas is probably the biggest, you know, my biggest takeaway. If he's going to look like that, and they have Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, and if Alvin Kamara is right, that's one of the best skill position groups in the league. You don't even really need a tight end. So they don't, they don't have one. So like that works out for them. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly for them. Yeah. yeah. And then the Falcons, you know, benching Tyler Algier, that was something that kind of surprised me. I was hoping he was going to get some reps early so I can see what, what he's bringing to the field, but we didn't even get that opportunity. No, they're just, they're just riding with, with CP eight, four, you know, and <laughs> it's like, yo, bring it, bring it home. Like we got Drake London and Kyle Pitts, but we're giving you the big, we're giving you the rock. Like <laughs> Smith and him just much, they, they have this thing. I mean, cool. Like if he, if he can hold up like all the power to him. Just, Shit. If they're doing it, they just need to keep doing it because yeah. I'm going to start playing this guy and then it's yeah. going to bite me in the ass. I can already feel it. <laughs> play him to like play him to like week eight and then be like, oh, he's been killing it all year. And then kind of package him in a deal. And, like, <laughs> him, and then like he'll just kind of fade out after week 12. There'll be another four weeks where you're like, damn. But then you'll be like, oh, okay, look at what I got. Oh, like, I won this trade still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll win the league and that will be what matters. That's the that's the end game, right? That's what, that's where you want to be. <laughs> so Baltimore took care of business against the Jets. Do you think Devin Duvernay is that your number one wide receiver, or is it still Rashad Bateman, or is there more time to sort of figure that out? Oh no, it's 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 Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman, <laughs> very 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 good at football. Duvernay is going to be the third pass catching option. They tried out Isaiah Likely early in the game. Actually, he got four targets early. Didn't catch any of them. Um, but Duvernay and him are going to fight for the third spot because I think it goes Andrews, Bateman, Duvernay, then likely, and then the running backs and probably Lamar Jackson. Put the Lamar Jackson like run option at the top of that, and like that's kind of their offense, I would imagine. Um, but no, no, I Bateman. <laughs> <don't do that. laughs> I'm with you there too, Devin Duvernay just catching those touchdowns. It's like. You know, he might be that that deep threat guy with Bateman getting all the the underneath stuff. Um, Jacksonville traveled to Washington. Washington took care of business and Carson Wentz's first start as a commander. Is James Robinson about to take that starting running job, back job? I I think he, I don't think he ever really lost it. Um, I, all the reports out of camp was he was running with the ones. Um, he was taking early down back or early down rolls as soon as he was healthy. Um, his recovery was ahead of schedule. And honestly, he looked much, he looked better in a rushing role in a like running back role than ETN did. ETN definitely looked better as a pass catcher, um, targeted a bunch of times, but it's his, I think it's his job to lose now. Um, after the drop in the end zone by, by ETN, you kind of saw Robinson get put in, then he scored the touchdown, then he scored another mm-hmm. touchdown. It was like, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm all about it, dude. I was wanting him to come back strong, too. I'm a big James Robinson fan. I like him. Those, those UDFAs, man, I'm a big fan of those kind of guys. Plays hard. Dude plays hard. Oh, physical. yeah. He's five nine. He plays like he he plays like Maurice Jones Drew. That's he's he like plays. that's a great comparison. I w- comparison. I was gonna say he's like a, a more versatile Doug Martin. <laughs> yep, yep, that's yep. great. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Green Bay travels to Minnesota. 
gets their ass kicked, is Justin Jefferson the best receiver in the league? Yes. Dude, yep. me too. Yep. Okay, I Big just want to make sure we're on the same page here. Big facts. <laughs> now, something else that was interesting about this game, A.J. Dillon received more touches than Aaron Jones, and it seems like those two guys are going to be leading the passing charge for the offense too. Um, who do you think is a more reliable fantasy play next week, A.J. Dillon or Aaron Jones? Both. Uh, play them both. Uh, if you have both, start them <laughs> go both. Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt style on them, or what? Yeah. So the way I see it is, uh, Aaron Jones ran twenty eight routes, which was second to uh, Christian Watson's twenty nine routes. And if he's leading the tar- or second in- on the team in targets run or routes run, like he's clearly being involved in the offense right. outside of just the running back role. And if he's outside lining up at wide receiver, which he did a couple of times in that game, um, A.J. Dillon can be lined up as the running back. They can both be on the field and be productive because A.J. Dillon received six targets as well. Rodgers doesn't trust anybody else. And it was clear with all the hissy faces. Oh, man. Yo, wow. He was upsetting to That dude's got problems. (laughs) Major trust issue problems. Kind of a douche. Yeah. (laughs) You you could definitely say that, you know, you could definitely say that. (laughs) So the Giants, they took care of business against the Titans in Tennessee. One point victory missed the game winning field goal. Randy, big boy, Randy Bullock is Saquon Barkley back. Yes, Saquon Barkley's back. You can never trust a dude named Randy. (laughs) That's two, two pieces of advice for you to take (laughs) home. Put that shit in the bank. Saquon Barkley, I thought he looked fantastic in training wow. camp. Just some of the stuff that I was seeing. And then he comes out and just kicked the doors in on the Tennessee defense. They had some main injuries they were dealing with in their front seven, but there's no excuse to allow 160 rushing yards. He looks shot out of a cannon. Absolutely. And also, um, the, the Giants <clears throat> offensive line uh, produced, a, I think it was PFF's bottom 10 run blocking grade and Saquon still had 160 yards rushing PFFs on my shit list but I I I do trust their offensive line grades (laughs) (laughs) they're they're, they're on something with their quarterbacks but their O-line stuff's pretty good yeah (laughs) that's the only measuring stick I have for offensive linemen so I kind of got to roll with it (laughs) I feel you man I feel you on that So Raiders and Chargers met up divisional game rematch of that week 18 game that saw the Chargers packing up and going home. Can the Raiders generate offense outside of Devontae Adams? Because it looked like they struggled to do it. If you can, I don't know how you're going to, like how you're ever going to. Like they have all the pieces. Um, Actually, the piece that they don't have is an offensive line that works. Um, (laughs) Khalil Mack revenge game, slightly underrated storyline there from from. Not you know it's two revenge games ago, but he right. came but he came back and he put Derek Carr down a lot, um, a lot. I think he, he had, could like, still be a Raider today if he yeah. hadn't been traded. Yeah, yeah. Um, he should like if if they had him, they wouldn't have had to pay Chandler Jones. Um, they would already had him and Crosby right there. They wouldn't have had to trade for Yannick and Gakwe last year. Yeah. They also don't have a secondary really to speak of. Um, so 
it's going to be tough to compete in that division with without a secondary and offensive line. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the offensive line was definitely their Achilles heel. Um, on a side note, I thought Gerald Everett looked fantastic. And I just want to pat myself on the back for, you know, sh- shouting his praises a little bit in the fantasy realm. I think he's going to have a career year for the Chargers and I, he's a must play this year nice. or this this week coming up. <laughs> All right, question. So if I yeah. have actually two questions here because bring it exactly here. Um, so first question, I have Mike Williams on a league in a league, big money league, home league. Uh, I have Dawson Knox, Jared Everett or Gerald Everett is on the waiver wire. Do I pick him up and start both chargers or do I keep my Allen Knox stack another week? I'm starting both chargers. Okay. Yeah. And, and, uh, the the Chiefs just put their starting one of their starting corners on the IR today, Trent McDuffie. Um, that stinks. Keenan Allen's not playing. That's more targets that are opening up for for them. I would most definitely play both of them. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a shootout on Thursday night between the Chiefs, my Chiefs, and the the Chargers for sure. Awesome. Second question. Yep. I'm in a um, guillotine league, and one of the players that are on the waiver wire is Austin Eckler. I have a $200 um, waiver um, or $200 fab. How much money or how much fab should I use? Right now, my bid's at 103 It's week one. Yeah, but it's Austin Eckler. It's Austin Eckler. He's a first-round player. There's a lot of other players that I think are going to come up. Um I have never played in a guillotine league. I'm just sure. kind of going off of like future planning and, and looking at, you know, there's going to be a week where some maybe, I, I don't know what, what's your biggest hole on your roster. Let's start there. Uh, probably running back. I think <laughs> I, I have Jonathan Taylor, but oh, okay. uh, I think I, I think Brees Hall's after that, but we'll, well if, there's no wide receivers. Maybe like, I just kind of like he, this kid just, didn't have any wide receivers that like to, to speak of. So, (laughs) well, I would plug, I would plug that hole. If you think that's your biggest hole, Austin Eckler, I don't know that you're going to get anyone better at least in the immediate future. And with it being a guillotine league, I assume there's 18 people in it, right? So, yeah, yeah, I believe so. I would, I would snag, snag him early. Now, how much can you, wager towards them is that a running total for that two hundred dollars no it's 200 for the whole whole season gotcha i'm kind of i'm kind of sketched out like i was gonna put 50 but if i lose to like you know like a 75 i'm gonna be like damn i could have i could have went higher but if i I see the waiver bid i have a i'm at 100 and somebody else at like 50 i'm like ah yeah 103 seems safe okay and that gives you half your budget to allocate towards filling in other guys. Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler, that's a tandem. That's a that's Josh a nice Allen deal. too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Gotta love that. Okay. So good segue into the remainder of the slate. So we got Kansas City at Arizona. Patrick Mahomes is still that motherfucking dude. Still out there balling doing what he's gonna do. The Cardinals. I don't think they can win a game without DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler Murray is just a proven track record of not playing very well without him. Um, So I'm interested to see how they fare next week um, against the Raiders. Tampa at Dallas, Mike McCarthy. I don't think he's going to survive the season. 
on the hot seat for real. And Julio Jones looked good. I was excited to see him kind of back in, in the good graces of football. And then finally, Monday night football. Um, was it first game jitters or is there a serious coaching problem in Denver? I'm leaning towards it being a coaching problem. Um, he's got to figure out that game management. They totally screwed the game plan up the last minute of the game they had a clear opportunity to win it um you pay all this money all of these resources towards this quarterback to not give him a chance to win you the game i i, I just it, none of it made sense to me so yeah i'll go down the list real quick here uh kc arizona pat mahomes definitely looks like that dude he brought me back in that matchup against you nice dub <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I was I, rooting for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So was I in that circumstance. <laughs> um, Isaiah Pacheco has definitely looked better. Um, and the way they kind of, he kind of fed, or Mahomes kind of fed the ball around, it's dangerous, man. That's dangerous. So they didn't really beat <laughs> there. I don't think Mike, Mike McCarthy should have ever been hired. I don't think he, I, I don't think he should have made the first four games last year. Right. Uh, I don't like Mike McCarthy. Dude had Aaron Rodgers for over 10 years, only won one Super Bowl. That's like Darren's a douche, but like, damn, in his prime, he should have won more than one Super Bowl. Yeah. Right? Like, too Absolutely, you should have. Too much, too much talent. Too um, many NFC championships lost with that duo. Yeah. It, yeah. 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 I don't know why you would want that. Anyway. <clears throat> Next. Um, so yeah, that was Dallas, Tampa Bay, um, Denver, Seattle. Yeah. Coaching problem. Um, I, I think you could be onto something. I'm going to give him a little bit more leeway, but yeah. Um, I saw the stat on ESPN today kicking from 63 plus kickers are one in eight in the past 10 years and Russ on fourth and five or more has like a 50% um, conversion rate. So it's like you're either taking a 4% chance on the kick or a coin flip on the on the fourth down. Like, yeah, well, you're spending <laughs> all the money. What are you doing? Uh, Future what- Hall of Fame quarterback or second longest field goal in NFL history? Let's roll with the second longest field goal in NFL history, not well, in Denver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in Seattle, which is just just as like there there was weather, there was some wind. That's outside, a lot of crowd noise. Like, right, <laughs> not the environment, not the environment. Probably shouldn't yeah. have been. You probably should have taken the the field goal on one of those fourth down attempts that the couple of fumbles happened. So exactly, yeah, couple, <laughs> couple of issues stacked up. We'll see what. Oh happens. yeah, and it's a discipline issue. Too many penalties for that team cost them a lot of different situations. Whether it be, you know, forcing a, f- a fourth down or, you know, pushing their offense into a position where they had to go for a third and long. There was just too much of that. Now, looking at ahead to week two, there's four matchups that I want to highlight before we uh, take it into the betting segment. The Chiefs hosting the Chargers. I think this game is going to carry a ton of implications for the AFC West, and it could be, you know, what comes down to to being a tiebreaker with AFC West record. So that's one some something to watch for this week. Miami traveling to Baltimore 
Can the Ravens overcome the mounting injuries? And can Tua and company beat a legit contender? Those are questions that I have for you, Tyler. This could definitely be one of the games to decide the AFC West. Every game counts. Um, as, as a contradiction to what Bill Belichick likes to say, oh, you know, we kind of find our stride in the middle of after September. It's like, dude, you, you can't say that anymore. We're going like one and three in September now. <laughs> it's not cool anymore. Um, so this is a divisional game, important game. That division's going to – I still think it's going to eat each other up. It already did in week one. And the Miami-Baltimore game, I, I I like the Ravens here. I, I think they have a better team than the Pats do right now. Um, mm. They de- definitely have a scarier offense that um, should put up points. And the, they, they have some cornerbacks that can, like, really cause some issues with Tyree Hill and, and, and Jalen Waddle, probably sticking them at the line. They're more physical than fast, but they, they should be able to do do something against them. Yeah, I I think uh you know the the biggest thing to me that's surprising about this game is the total points line that is set. It's 43 and a half. I think that's way too low. Both of these offenses have the potential to put up, you know, 27 to 40 plus points at any given time just based on the explosiveness of the players involved. Lamar Jackson, Jalen Waddle, Mark Andrews, uh Tyreek Hill, obviously. So, you know, a lot of potential there for some big explosive plays. Uh, We'll talk more about that line here in a little bit, but moving into the final two games that I want to highlight, and both of these just happen to be a part of that Monday night doubleheader. Tennessee on the road playing Buffalo and Minnesota on the road to play the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll start with the Minnesota Eagles game, and then we'll bounce it back to the Tennessee game. Is this going to be a preview of the NFC Championship based on the games that I saw this past weekend, along with the Ravens, Chargers, Chiefs, and Bills? The Vikings and the Eagles look like one of a few teams that actually came to play week one. Yeah, um, I think it very well could be. I had a real hard time picking the game, too, with the spread, like money line. I just... I, I didn't feel comfortable with either one. Like <laughs> either team could win this game. I, I love I love the way the, the Vikings offense looks. They look dangerous. Um Justin Jefferson's running around wide freaking open. Like wide <laughs> open. Nobody constantly. Yeah, like looking like Cooper Cup last year. It's like, how is this dude so wide open? It's like he's the most important guy on the field. What well, you- then they had Jair Alexander talking like, you know, was it my decision to not shadow him? I don't know how that is allowed in that Green Bay can. defense. I don't think he can. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that's allowed. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Like, even if they like, that's what they should have done, and they didn't. But if they did, I don't know if he can handle Justin Jefferson right now. There may not be a cornerback that can shut him down at this point, you know, in his career. I am with you. He is the best receiver. Skill wise, he's the best receiver in the NFL. I don't know that there's any receivers that are doing what what he's doing, at least at this time. You know what I mean? You could say Adams, Diggs, um, Jamar Chase, those guys are right on his heels. But the dude has an obvious uh, number one above him on that ranking. It's a monster. Dude's a monster. <clears throat> and um, oh, so the Tennessee-Buffalo game, yeah, uh, I don't I don't love Tennessee's team this year. 
Um, I don't, I don't think they're all that talented. Uh, they have some players. I just, I think they're just in for some regression because that was a team that was always like, you know, playing kind of on the outside, like playing differently and like kind of just doing their own thing. And I kind of think right. it's catching up to them now. Um, Josh Allen should just kind of give them the smackdown. And the Bills owe them for last year too. Derrick Henry stiff armed the hell out of them in that one of those games. <laughs> they, they, I know Bills. Poor fans. Josh Norman. Yeah. <laughs> now jo- Josh Allen's like, yo, I'm coming for you. I'm going to throw one of your dudes on the ground now. <laughs> yeah, he had to put a practice in on that Rams game. He yeah. stiff armed the shit out of uh, what was his name? Uh, Nick Reed, I think, is his name. Uh, dude got sent into next year. <laughs> yeah, he, got, he got pushed right to the ground. That was real tough. <laughs> <laughs> He's a beast. All yeah. right, well, let's jump into some some bets. Let's get into the the week two spreads and whatnot. Uh, before we jump into that, quick word from our partner over at E Coffee. Quick shout out to our friends over at eCoffee. They are a KC local coffee company, but they get their beans from all over the world, all of the very best places to grow those coffee beans. That's where they're sourcing them from. Check them out at www.eeroastcoffee.com and get a feel for some of the great flavors that they have to offer and get some in your cup today. All right, so before we get into week two, all the picks and things like that that we have lined up, I'm just going to recap the results from week one. I got destroyed in my three picks, Rams covering, Carolina getting the win and covering, Tennessee getting the win and covering. None of that happened. Oh for 3. Trey had a little bit better luck on Thursday night, hitting the under in that Bills-Rams game, and then the over in the chart. Raiders game did not hit and him and I were on the same page with the Titans to cover against the Giants. He goes one and two. I hit on my lock with Baltimore minus seven. I hammered that at least five or six different times across the new free uh, money they were handing out for all the sports books here in Kansas. And then Trey missed out on Green Bay minus one and a half at Minnesota going own one on the locks and then the sleepers. 3-0 on the sleepers this week, under hit in San Fran and Chicago. Uh, That weather lowered the line and the under still slapped. You got to love that. Pittsburgh covering six and a half. They went on to win that game by three, which was pretty awesome. And then Houston did their part in the plus eight, covering against the Colts and tying that at a 20 to 20 stalemate. Trey, however, missed out on the Patriots not covering that three and a half points. He was in with the Steelers and me against the the Bengals. And then he had the Carolina Panthers as his sleeper missing out on that going one and two. So together as a show, not the best week one. We've had better week ones (laughs) in years past, but we're going to bounce back in a big way. Week two, my guy. Go ahead and start with your three picks, and then I'll feed you trays and then mine, and then, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. So, yeah, uh, my three picks, I have Baltimore minus three and a half versus Miami. Um, Then I have the Minnesota Philly over 51 and a half, and then I have Detroit minus two and a half versus Washington. Those are my picks. I got I I got to say the one that I am the biggest on with you is the Baltimore minus three and a half against Miami. I think that's a six point victory for them being in the Charm City, and then Trey Trey he's taken Pittsburgh plus one and a half against New England. 
he's taken with his other two picks, the big spreads, Chicago plus 10 and Seattle plus 10, uh, Seattle playing the Niners and Chicago taking on the Packers on the road. I don't know how I feel about that Chicago pick. That one, <laughs> that one's a little shaky to me, but I do <laughs> like, uh, I do like the pick against um, San Fran with Seattle. And then me, myself, I'm looking at New England. I'm looking at Pittsburgh, two heavy defensive teams with offenses that did not put up a ton of points uh, this past week. I'm liking the under at 40 and a half. I think this is going to turn into a defensive brawl. Don't know what the result's going to be. I'm not touching that side of this game. But, um, you know, I think that uh, the under is a safe bet here. Usually with Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, um, those unders are hitting anyway. Arizona plus five and a half on the road to Las Vegas. I'm really liking Arizona to maybe even win that game, maybe take the money line on it. Um, And then Cincinnati minus seven at Dallas with, and I think that line has even moved to maybe minus eight or minus seven and a half at this point. Um, I think Dallas not having Dak Prescott is a huge influence on that, obviously. Um, So, you know, look for Cincinnati to, to cover that and maybe just, uh, totally blow the doors off that Cowboys team. Yeah, um, definitely like that. I, I like the Cowboys not not being able to cover that that line. Uh, <laughs> they, they're just they just don't don't look like a functioning team, even even worse than what we look like. Yeah. So Pittsburgh, I, I like the under there. Um, not I, I, they probably shouldn't be the underdog in this game. So if I wasn't a Pats <clears throat> fan, I'd probably be looking at that money line for them or the, or the plus money, like Trey said, mm-hmm. Chicago's sketchy against green Bay, but um, I, I just, I, I, I much, I, I like the Seattle um, plus 10 much better than the 10's just a lot of points, man. Yeah, it's, it's a, lot of points. a lot of points. That's a college spread. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Definitely. And yeah, the reason why I picked Detroit is they've covered their last, I'm pretty sure they covered their last five games at home. And they covered they, against the Eagles. Yeah. Um, they definitely covered against the Eagles. They, um, I like the commanders and I kind of like, I, I think this, they're like a sneaky good fantasy offense. And I, I love the Lions <clears throat> overall as like a, you know, they're just cool team to watch. Like Detroit, right? Never really good. But they're kind of crappy <laughs> right now. Right. Um, they've covered their spread in, in each of their last five games at Ford Field, and their last three games have gone over the total line. So, I like that. Yeah those those are my picks. Uh, do you want to go to locks? Yeah. Give me your locks, man. You got a cut. You got two of them here, and I'm uh, I'm really big fan of one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah um i just after kind of watching that chargers game um they they were steadily beating the raiders but they couldn't like pull away they couldn't yeah. like put the gas pedal on and like pull away from a team that seemed like they're better than um i thought arizona was at least a formidable team and kansas city went out there and slapped them right down um like real bad so yeah, I, I don't I don't think the Chargers are going to be able to win this game. I think they can like keep it within a touchdown. It's going to be a high scoring affair. I'm not betting on the over for everybody else betting on the over. So you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome on that because I that's the type of game that I bet on the over, and it's like a twenty to seventeen game, and everybody's just like, 
why <laughs> it's tyler's fault yeah, i knew it, that guy <laughs> it, would, it would be so that that's just like the type of game i could feel it in my bones so i'm gonna stay away from it um then the second <laughs> block like i said uh would be the detroit washington over uh detroit's gone over in their last three games i don't think either one of these defenses is very good the commanders just put up 28 points on a bad defense and the Lions just put up 35 points on what we think is a good Philly defense. So it should be a high scoring affair. Uh, 49 is not a ton of points. Yeah. I think that one goes down like 32, 28 or something along those lines. That's enough for the over (laughs) and Detroit covers. Yeah, baby. Trey is picking the Giants and Carolina for the over. The line on that one's pretty low, like 42 and a half. I could definitely see that hitting. Carolina's got that high-powered offensive weapons situation. Saquon Barkley, obviously, you know, bringing out some uh, some heat for that Giants offense, and neither of these defenses are very good, in my opinion. And then my lock, I'm taking Miami at Baltimore for the over. I just I said it a little bit earlier. I just think the offenses are too high-powered for them to be held for this to be a 21 to 20 or, you know, a 23 to 20 kind of game. I think it's going to end up being Baltimore, you know, maybe they put up 31 Miami 24, something like that. Where Baltimore still going to cover the matchup, but that over is going to hit and hit hard. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like that. Um, 43 and a half. That seems like it's the Ravens from like, I don't know, like when Flacco was there and like last <laughs> year's Dolphins. Um, I don't think they've kind of adjusted to those two teams yet on the on the on the total line yet. So yeah, yeah the like the betters are gonna push that up though for sure. Yeah. After a few games of 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 you know data, they'll they'll be moving lines very accordingly. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, some sleepers, some some yeah. low key bets you're looking at. You got a couple money lines here. What are we working with? Uh so yeah, um the Saints uh, um I like them on the money line against the Bucks here. Um it seems like the Saints are Tom Brady's only kryptonite in in a Bucks uniform. I mean besides Cooper Cup, but you know, in the regular season the the Saints have kind of had Brady's number. Um mm-hmm. they have beaten them the last seven of their last eight games, the Saints have won. And the Saints have covered their spread in 13 of the last 15 games against NFC South opponents. So Damn. The, Saints, the Saints come to town when they play in the division. And when <laughs> they play Tom Brady. And they just like, I think their offense is explosive. I think they have a bunch of playmakers. They still have a pretty good defense. I think, like I said, they kind of took their time getting into that Falcons game. But when it, like it, when it started to matter, they started to show up. Right. Uh, they still have Cam Jordan, who's a, who's, who's a dominant force on the edge still. Like, he's probably not in his prime, but he's, he's still a veteran. Demario Davis, great player. Got a couple of good safeties. Um, so, yeah, I like the Saints on the money line there. And um, – the Seattle one is the spiciest one, I think. Um, but who would have thought that <laughs> Seattle would have beat the Broncos? You know what I mean? I don't love what I've seen from um, from Trey Lance. We kind of talked about this like at the beginning of the show. Uh, the Seahawks have won the last 15 games out of the last 17 meetings with the 49ers. 
That is quite a lot. Um, oh, yeah. And the 49ers have failed to cover the spread in 10 of their last 11 games against <laughs> NFC South opponents. Damn, so, son. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the 49ers don't come to play the Seahawks. Like that, and like the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, like they come to play, like, again, it's another divisional game that's kind of grossly overpriced, I think. Um, eight and a half is far too many points. Um, that's what I saw. It's at, I think that's what it is on Barstool right now. No, it's actually 10. 10 way too many points. That's a lot of points, man. A lot of, a lot of points. A lot of points. Lot of two points. possessions. They're saying that's going to be a two-possession game. Yeah, I don't think the 49ers offense right now is as good as the Broncos offense is currently. Like, right. Even with what we just saw, um, you know what I mean? So, Jamal well, on that kind of kind of stinks. But okay. Right. <laughs> on that same token, you know, Denver – coming out so flat against the Seahawks. They, they're they giving the Texans nine and a half points. Last I looked, that might be 10 points now. I'm liking them to potentially, you know, cover that game. If not, you know, who knows? They could win it. They could be sneaky good and win that game. They almost did it against the Colts. I think the Colts, you know, and the Broncos with what we saw performance-wise aren't too far apart in that respect. Um, so that's one I could see covering you know, kind of like a, a backdoor, even late cover where Davis Mills just kind of throws the ball down the field, hits Brandon Cooks on something or uh, finds Nico Collins or whatever um, and does a little backdoor covering in those last final minutes. And then Jacksonville plus four at the Colts. I would even maybe venture to take their money line odds on this one. The Jacksonville Jaguars made a game against the Washington Commanders and the, you know, I just... Doug Peterson is that dude. Um, he's going to put up a fight in that game. They're going to be competitive, and I don't think it's going to be uh, a situation where they're not covering that four. Definitely, definitely agree. Um, I took the Jags money line against the Commanders last week, so that was kind of a brutal beat. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would. Um, I'd kind of temper the Houston expectations. Um, the Colts just kind of have a thing with not being able to win their first game, like of the year. They just do like they just can't do it. It's I been think like eight long. years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe even longer. I think it's been eleven. Like even like I don't know something like that. So Awful. yeah, that so I just kind of maybe temper the expectations of that. Just because, you know, the week one riding the high, week two, you're kind of like back to your, you're in your routine, you're back, back into the business. Line. Yeah. Right. So, well, I, I like it. It's a lot of points. Again, Denver didn't look great. So it's just something to kind of be wary about on that. Um, yeah. Do you want to do Trace? Because he kind of, Trace kind of going against us right now. Yeah, he's taking uh, Miami plus three and a half at Baltimore. He must believe in that offense. I mean, I as a sleeper, I think it's a fine pick for a sleeper because that offense is very explosive. They could do something to break the game open, and they did beat the Ravens last year. No, that yeah. happened. <laughs> so I, at that point, I would probably, like the way I would do it, just because like this is how I bet, I'd probably bet the money line. Like, if I'm confident enough to take them, like, all right, it's going to be a field goal game. If it's a field goal game, I might as well put the money line in my parlay and try and make more money. And I'm, like, okay with losing if if it's for, like, with that, I guess. I mean, 
that's that's, that's <laughs> well usually those kinds of parlays where you're getting odds like that on a money line you're not going to bet as much as you would no. if it was those even odds right so that's a good one to just kind of like take a flyer on and if it hits great that's yeah. some uh that's some that's the cherry on top <laughs> i feel good when i hit and when i don't it's like oh, i lost like 10 bucks it's all right <laughs> whatever well hey that's uh that's what we got for you for week two um be keep your eyes open social media will be putting out some videos to get you some updated spreads as the lines continue to change and make sure you bet responsibly and uh you know don't overextend yourself when it comes to these things before we go into fantasy football i do want to give a quick shout out to miles casey at MilesCasey.com. Miles Casey is bringing you the very best in gear through his exclusive website, Miles, M-Y-L-E-S, K-C-C-A-S-E-Y dot com. All the gear is licensed, NFLPA, MLB, NASCAR, MLS, and so much more. You're getting the very best in gear from him through the site, exclusive discounts. Make sure you join the group on Facebook, Miles Casey Sports Market Hub, and lock in on those links that he's posting out there. All right, and we're back. We're going to give you some starts before we wrap up the show. The last segment, it went by quick, I got to tell you, but um, you know, we'll give you just this last little tidbit here. Um, for quarterbacks, I'm looking at three guys that I would like to start if I have them on my roster. First guy I'm looking at is Joe Burrow going against a pretty terrible Dallas defense outside of Micah Parsons. And I saw a couple of plays from Trevon Diggs last Sunday that I was like pretty impressed about. But besides that, it's just not really there. They're not going to experience the pressure nearly as much as they did against the Steelers. It's really just Micah Parsons, maybe a little bit of Demarcus Lawrence you got to worry about. And Joe Burrow is going to want to bounce back. So I like him this week. Aaron Rodgers, same boat. He probably chewed the shit out of all of his wide receivers. Uh, they're going to be in at home playing Chicago, a division opponent, refocused, trying to gain that game back in the NFC West. And then Derek Carr against Arizona. That defense looked like Swiss cheese when Mahomes was throwing the ball to his receivers against them. And Derek Carr has some pretty fantastic weapons himself. Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams. He's going to do really well this week against the Arizona Cardinals, and I like him as one of my starters for quarterback. Yeah, definitely. Um, Diggs is going to have to deal with Chase all day, and I don't think he's going to make all that all too many plays against Jamar Chase. Um, I think Joe Burrow will be a good start there. He shouldn't have five turnovers, like you said earlier. Um, Aaron Rodgers, feel if he, he supposedly owned Chicago, so he better come <laughs> in and own Chicago. Or things he's got gonna, the key to the city, right? Yeah, he 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 made sure Chicago knows he owns them, so he <laughs> you know keep that claim going or look foolish. Um, you gotta back Carter, it up, yeah. Derek Carr is not going to have to deal with Chandler Jones in, against Arizona because Chandler Jones is on his team. I think Cardinals <laughs> missed that greatly. So, um, yeah, they, they don't have a great secondary. They don't have an excellent pass rush. So, yeah, defense looks like Swiss cheese. You're right. <laughs> My must starts at running back. I'm going Kareem Hunt, Saquon Barkley, and Antonio Gibson. Until Brian Robinson gets healthy again, Gibson's going to be a great play, especially against the Detroit Lions. We saw Miles Sanders gain well. 
and Boston Scott all score touchdowns on the ground against his Detroit defense. Antonio Gibson's going to have himself a good day. Saquon Barkley's bouncing back against the Carolina defense that got destroyed by Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And then Kareem Hunt going against the Jets. I really like that matchup from a perspective of the Browns just putting up a massive amount of points in general. Yeah, I mean, dude, when Kareem Hunt's healthy, this guy's just fantasy football gold. Like, he's just the the most unique, like, he's he's the Moby Dick of fantasy football. Like, right. when he's healthy, he doesn't, like, he doesn't have the biggest usage. He's not being, like, he's not getting 25 carries. He's not getting 12 targets. But he's he's getting, like, 10 carries, and he's getting, like, seven to eight targets. But it's, like, either all in the red zone or it all ends up in a touchdown. Right. And like, I don't know how you keep being a 20 point fantasy scorer, but that's who you are. That's who the guy is. That's like, his identity. That's who he is. That's who he I, is. I identify as a fantasy football X factor. That's yeah, great. That's that, that is, yeah. And he constantly is just underrated in drafts because of the position that he's in. As right. you said, Saquon Barkley. He quite possibly, if he looks this healthy all year, could be the RB1 overall. Um, Antonio Gibson had nine targets, I'm pretty sure. Um, that's ridiculous. Uh, he was running routes from the slot. He also made this toe tap catch that I thought it was a wider. I thought it was Terry McLaurin for a second. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, that that's Antonio Gibson. Ah, okay. This is what I'm bringing to the table, baby. <laughs> all right. All right, Ron. We're doing stuff like that. Curtis Samuel's looking like like a wicked small Debo Samuel getting carries in the <laughs> backfield, bunch of targets. Like, all right, Ron. <laughs> Get after it, Ronnie. Riverboat. <laughs> Wide receiver. I'm looking at Hollywood Brown against the Raiders. Uh, you said it earlier, secondary, not top tier, not upper echelon. I think Hollywood Brown had some key plays for them against the Chiefs, caught a touchdown even. Um, I'm, I'm liking him this week. Michael Pittman building off of that fantastic game against the Texans. He's going to do that same stuff against the, these Jaguars. And then Mike Williams at Kansas City. No Keenan Allen. It's going to be him and Joe Burrow connecting quite a bit. I see him looking there often, especially since McDuffie is not going to be playing that game either. And then uh, late addition from you, Jahan Dotson, uh, the kind of breakout guy from that c- Commanders game with his two touchdowns. Um, I do like him against Detroit as well. With Carson Wentz throwing the ball as much as he did, and you know, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of targets to go around in Washington. Yeah, so um, I like Hollywood Brown. I think that as long as DeAndre Hopkins isn't there, he's a must start fantasy. Um, he's easily one of the best flex options um, that you could possibly have. Solid wide receiver, too. Michael Pittman is going to be a top eight wide receiver at the end of this year, maybe even top five, depending if Matt Ryan stays healthy. Um, Mike Williams, let me down, man. You let me down week one. <laughs> I will say that. And he's bouncing back. Yeah, he, he's going to. I know he is because I need him to. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, John Dotson. Um, there was early buzz out of camp that he was like just as good, if not a little better than Terry McLaurin. And like, Mm -hmm. he was the guy and like, he, he showed he was the guy. 
It's a little early for that right this second. <laughs> but, like, coming out and catching four or five targets and two touchdowns, one of them being a game winner, that right. really, A, establishes trust with your coaches that you can be in there for big-time situations. You can get more snaps. B, point. Carson Wentz, and dude, that's chemistry. That play is chemistry. That's how you develop it right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that's my guy because he just made that play, and we freaking won. That's awesome. So um, <laughs> I, I first round uh, rookie capital. So uh, all everything is there for Jahan Dotson to have a somewhat breakout season. I'm not saying he's Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, but he could be like a CD lamb, like, you yeah. know, he could have like a CD lamb rookie year. Then if you're getting him off the waiver wire, or if you had him in the second round of your uh, star um, rookie dynasty drafts, absolute steal. Still. Oh yeah. If you're flexing a guy that's having a CD lamb type of rookie season, um, you're in pretty good shape. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and especially if you're in a dynasty or a keeper, you know, they always say in redrafts, draft as many second year receivers as you can. Cause one of those guys is just going to explode even further past what they put up their rookie year. He could be one of those guys. Yeah, <laughs> he could absolutely. definitely be one of those guys. Now, looking at tight end, this position, always so tough. Do I stream if I don't have one of the top five guys? Where do I go? Do I need to have two of them on my team? All these questions can be answered because there's a lot of, I mean, the one of the tight ends I'm going to highlight is available in a ton of leagues that I'm a part of. Gerald Everett for the LA Chargers, Chargers said it earlier. He is a must start this week against Kansas City. I think there's going to be a lot of open targets for him to take advantage of, especially if they make their way into the red zone. Look for him to catch another red zone TD. And then Zach Ertz tied in for the Cardinals. Little banged up last week, looking to bounce back from that uh, poor performance against the Kansas City defense and uh, take advantage of the weak linebackers that they have in Vegas. Yeah, um, I, we talked about this this Gerald Everett thing a little earlier. Um, I think I'm going to go make that waiver claim after this show so I can get him in my starting lineup for my big one. <laughs> because I, I just I can't have like I just need like ten points from him. Like you know, right? Like, the type of team that like that's really all you need from a tight end. Yeah, just like I just need like eight to ten points. I just can't be having one. Not one. Can't do Unac- that. That's unacceptable. Unacceptable. <laughs> Not cool. Gotta go. Um, Zach Ertz. <laughs> your yeah. cut, Dawson Knox. Your cut. Yeah, I, I, I might sw- swing back and pick you up later because, like, I'm gonna be doing that tight end thing unless I make a make a trade. But like, the people in that league don't like to make trades with me. I wonder why. Because you keep taking their money, dude. Actually, I, the the kid in that league has won two years in a row. I won the the first year. Oh, okay. Different leagues, but the, both of them, I was in them. I was in them. Ta- anyway. Time to get the crown back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the revenge tour starts now. <laughs> so a couple sleepers I'm looking at. These are guys that are probably available maybe deep on your bench. Jameis Winston against Tampa Bay. I wanted to highlight him specifically for the stuff that you brought up earlier when you were talking about the money line. The Saints just have the Buccaneers number. Jameis Winston had a fantastic stat line against the Buccaneers last year. 
when they matched up in week two, I want to say it was before he tore his ACL. Um, so look for, look for him to have potentially a really big game against his former team. You know, you always got that chip on your shoulder when you play those guys. And then Devin Duvernay and Robbie Anderson are two guys that I think could boom at any given time. Big play magnets for these two guys and definitely an option if you don't have a flex. Uh, on your team that you're trusting. So look for those two guys to have nice, nice games as well. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. I was, I, I, I'm not picking up Robbie Anderson in that league because I have DJ Moore and I'm not, I'm not thrilled to start. Double down on Panthers receivers. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not something I'm really interested in. It's not the bills where it's like Diggs and Davis or something like that. But um, <laughs> definitely on other teams that I don't have DJ Moore, I, Anderson has been a priority ad for me. Also, little um, Glenn, uh, I think his name is Glenn Dorch. For yeah, uh, Greg Dorch. Yeah, Greg, Greg Dorch. Sorry, sorry, Greg. My bad. <laughs> Shout out to Greg Dorch being just like one of those dudes. Um, could 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 have could have you know value. He could be like that James Robinson pickup a couple of years ago. Most you know? definitely, because like he's adding that like underneath slot kind of like take the crosser role for Kyler. Um, they don't really have that right now. It could be useful for a couple of weeks, especially if in your, you're in like a deeper dynasty league. He's probably out there. So that's a good waiver wire. Ad. And he's bounced around a little bit too. So it's, it's good to see him getting an opportunity and having some success, I think. Yeah. We'll, we'll, let's hope it, let's hope he like gets on the field again and, you know, has a similar sort of stat line, but Yeah. Definitely like that as a little little name there. Hell yeah, man. Well, hey, that's the show. Appreciate you joining me, Tyler. Again, check him out on Twitter at Lamb4752 at Gillette Gazette for that NFL and Patriots news. Um, dude, always welcome on the show, of course. And I do appreciate you stepping in and and helping me out, you know, carry the load for uh, you know, the NFL as we head into week two. Yeah, man. Really happy to be here. I'll I'll come on here anytime you want to talk football. Oh <laughs> yeah, brother. Damn right. Damn yeah. right. Well, hey, appreciate you. Hope you have a good night and uh, you know, best of luck to your Patriots this Sunday. You too right. on the Chiefs, I guess. Sure. <laughs> hey, thank you. I mean, I can tell that was so genuine. <laughs> I dude, at least I said it. <laughs> That's all I could ask for, brother. Yeah, all right. Peace all out, right. buddy. See ya. And that's all we have for the show today. Appreciate everybody joining us again. Tyler, you can follow him at Lamb4752 on Twitter. Great guest to have on the show. Hope you enjoyed everything, those bets. Make sure you follow along with us on social media as we continue to move through the week. Those lines will be moving, and we'll try and update those as much as possible with uh, the picks that we'd be taking as those continue to evolve. And make sure you follow us on IG because we'll be putting out more reels and videos and getting that content up. Thanks again. Please follow, leave a review, subscribe, share, do all the stuff to get uh, the fastest 40 out there. We're you know, hoping to grow, keep growing this show, and uh, it's all thanks to you guys who listen week in and week out. So appreciate it. Uh, We'll see you guys uh, next week for week three. Go Chiefs for tonight's game, and uh, let's get hyped.